0: People had a mind to work. What did they have? If you've got a mind to work, you must have a devotion, a love to work. Amen? Amen. To live and to live up to all that God has called you to do, with no exceptions. I believe today that you see no mind to work, no work to do. Mm i believe here this morning too that the body of christ we are those living stones being replaced into the body of christ we're there we're living stones in the living body of christ and your body is the temple of the holy spirit and you shouldn't defile it you shouldn't allow something from the outside to break it down on the inside whether it's drugs Whether it's alcohol, whether it's illicit sex, whether it's a life of lies and laziness, you can't allow that to pull you down and destroy you. So here we move to the second one. What does the word build mean? Interesting word here, Nehemiah. It doesn't mean to take some new material and put it together. Builders will understand this. But it's just to take that old material and to restore the wall with it. Clean it up, put it back, cement it, restore it. It's restoration. And that's why I'm talking to you a little bit this morning about restoring the brokenness of your own life. Um, Repairing the broken breaches that are there. So that you can be strong as you face temptation. You can be strong as you fellowship with people. You can be strong as you witness. You can be strong as you worship. Amen. Yes. Well, restoration. We have a thing called restorative justice. Trying to take those that have got the the, the guilt and the shame on them to know they can be restored again in relationship to God, in relationship to those that they've hurt, in relationship to their families, no matter what they have done. And I say to anybody here this morning, if, you, if, you've broken, if you've broken relationships and the walls are down between you and children, you and parents, you and your wife, will you listen to me this morning? God intends you to work at that relationship and build it up in His precious name. Amen. Yes. So, the people come together for deliverance, for discipline, for direction. Why are we doing this? I can just carry on the way I should. I want to. You're doing it so God can be glorified in your life. Amen. Do you understand that? If you love God, you'll understand that. Because thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. And that's nothing else that interferes with my the love for God. Now, I hear people say, oh, I love God, but they're sitting in the pub on the Saturday. I love God, but they saw so out of it in the week. They love God, but they're living, in, they're living in adultery. You can't be you can't love God doing that, you're just lying. You're not telling the truth. Outwardly, you're lying to yourself, because you know inwardly it's broken. You've broken the word of the Lord. It doesn't make God's name great. You're not an example that brings glory. And praise to God you're not building others up through your example you're tearing them down through your example and that's that's bad but circumstances have changed but human nature unfortunately doesn't always change that easily and uh, we need to be restored in fellowship I've noticed a covert 19 how out of touch we are not with God but with each other, in our relationship with one another. Do we phone each other? Have we got a word for each other? Oh, I know you send each other pretty pictures and encouragements from other people. And that's okay, it's great. But listen, are you picking up the phone and saying, listen, Joe, I'm praying for you today. I- I- I'm sharing your need with God. I'm wanting God to answer, be real in your life, to build you up in, to the next level in your life. That's important. That's taking care in fellowship of someone else. They're not just saying, good morning. Here's a little picture for you. God bless you. That's okay. But listen, it's not enough to build them up. You can be involved a lot more. Because the little word, "koinonia" means fellowship. It means to share bread together, to share in the burden together. To help build your brokenness together. Carefully then let me say this. If you're a living stone, not a rolling stone, okay? You're a living stone. You're in God's building. You're alive. The temple of God is a place where he lives. And you and I live. We represent him. Because in our worship, there needs to be life. And the second point is, not only the work, but the worship must bring glory to God. If Nehemiah prepared to build a wall, have you prepared to come and worship God today? Did you prepare your heart, or did you just get on the bus and say, Oh, what a day, going to see other people, life will be good. It's an outing, it's a social occasion. Hey, you came to meet the eternal and living God. And I trust this morning, you're going away with a sense of his presence, a sense of his voice in your heart again this morning. Because, my beloved people, the day is here when the worship has to be restored. It can't come because we have got just a nice building. I've been to churches where they look like, uh, like demonic covens. They're so dark on the inside with these little lights. I said to myself, Jupiter, where am I? Are you in church now? That's what they make it look like, so we can attract other people. You don't need attraction. You only need the light of God's presence, and that will attract people and save people. Amen? You don't have to change the aesthetics to get people saved. These aesthetics can do nothing for your salvation. My prayers, we get back to basics. Let's meet with God in our worship. Let's go back to the sacrifice when they put the first sacrifice back in that temple. A little lamb was slain. The blood was shed. Let's go back to the blood of Jesus. Let's go back to the life that his life gives to each and every one of us. Amen. Yes. So that's the first step in worship. If your heart is not right, if you're not believing that the sacrifice is for you, then you're you're worshiping on the wrong basis. Why? Because secondly, comes confession of sin. You notice the people in Ezra, not in Nehemiah, but in Ezra, confess their sin to God. Confession means, I agree with you, God. I'm broken on the inside, and what I do is a sin. It separates me from you. And that's the reason I don't have communication. That's the reason I don't have a life in the Spirit with you. Because of my sin. What must I do? With my confession, I must repent of sin. You're not going anywhere by putting a plaster on it. Or dressing nicely and looking good and going to another church. You've got to confess the sin and come with repentance. Turn away a change of mind, a change of heart. That brings you closer to God where he can start to deal with you. And out of that, you come humbly and say, My Lord and my God. There's worship to his great name. Worship is not something you just have a fancy little song with and get wound up with. Uh -uh. Worship comes out of what God himself does for you. It comes out of that free spiritual expression. Thank you God for making me whole. Amen. Yes. Thirdly is this. There's restoration that demands obedience. Way back in Ezra, the Jewish people had married all the pagan women in the communities god is against that a very pretty tough law they brought them in and said you have got to get rid of them and send them back that's a tough one but i'm simply going to take a lesson out of it this morning and say this to you don't be don't get married to unbelievers young and old listen to me don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers it's a matter of faith you see two people from two different cultures can get married it's okay as long as they believe the same in the living God. Hallelujah. But don't be unequally yoked. Oh, pastor, I think God sent him. Well, God won't send him to you if, you, if, it, if it's unequal. And what does it mean? The unequally yoked is two oxen in a span. One is taller than the other, then the yoke will do this. One will pull, pull, pull heavier than the other one. It will just be unequal. It will be an unequal relationship. And God tells us here clearly... Do not be unequally yoked. Over and over, the Church of Jesus Christ, we, we see it over and over, is plagued with unequally, paganism in Christian marriages. King Solomon was guilty of this. He married these pagan women, and eventually the Bible says his heart was drawn away from the living God to paganism. And that's what happens to your children. And that's what happens to your church life. Don't be unequally Yoked with them, you'll be living in disobedience to God. Let me move on today by saying there's a final thing we've got to get our worship correct. The revival comes from a restored heart, amen. Revival comes from the heart. It doesn't come from the head. We don't fix the music up, fix the church up, fix the building up, dress differently. uh uh-uh. We come with a changed heart, a heart that is made whole, renewed, transformed by God. Out of the heart, when men and women's hearts are revived, are transformed, God will revive his church and revive the worship to his name through his people. Amen. Yes. Come with me then and notice as we come to the last point. That there is a final thing, not only the work, not only the worship, but the witness is to the glory of God. In all that you do, you do to the glory of God. Amen? Is that what you're doing, Mayfair Baptist? You're doing all to the glory of God. Whether it's just a humble little task, oh, I'm doing this for Jesus, I'm doing this for Jesus. And I don't want to do it sloppily or slapdash. I'm doing it for Jesus, amen. And that's what God looks at. The motivation out of that statement is because you love God. And God uses all kinds of people. If you look at this wall that Nehemiah was putting together, from the from the high priest to the people from Jericho, the outsiders who came to help, the Tekoites from the outside, these people all came together to build this wall. All kinds of people. God can use people different to you and me for his glory and for the witness of his name. Amen. But the question today is, is he using me? Is he using me? Well, Eliash the high priest, he built his piece of the sheep gate. By the way, the sheep that came through that gate all came to the temple for sacrifice. It was an important gate. I want you also to notice that there was uh, the last piece of the gate was the east gate. And uh, the, the Turkish people about 400 years ago built that gate closed. It's still a piece of the wall, of the old wall of Jerusalem. And they believe that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is coming back through that gate. It still stands today. Amen. Let me remind you, <clears throat> what they were doing was to the glory of God. If Jesus comes and that gate is open, it will all be to the glory of God. Amen. So come with me and look at this exciting story as you realize with me that God always has a witness in every part of history, in every person's life who has allowed him to build and restore their lives. He has this witness. And what was the witness if you read this passage? Each one side by side, bit by bit, put a whole wall Wow, isn't that marvelous? Each one of you, side by side, side by side, bit by bit, will put it up to the glory of God. My brothers and sisters, the Church of Jesus Christ needs to work in its witness for Christ. Now, I'm very really proud of those who assist us to feed the community. You know, we're feeding 140 families every week, plus 200 people outside who come to, to wait on Friday for the cold food. Do you know that the program has got over 200,000 rand? Do you know that? If you gave 100 rand for bread, you of the 200,000. Hallelujah! You put your peace in. Amen. You say, Pastor, I have nothing to give, but I gave my service. I came to cook. I came to clean. I came to distribute. Praise <laughs> be to God. Amen? Yeah. That's the kind of work that we're doing. Because we're touching lives out there that are broken. We're touching people out there who just don't understand the hardship. And our opportunities to share Jesus with these people. Our witness is important. So, what does this witness do? That witness for putting up those walls, God will get his praise through the unity of his people. Now, I'm not talking about uniformity. If I put you all all of you in a salvation army uniform, stand up, turn left, stand at attention. You all do the same thing, right? There's uniformity. Now, I love the Salvation Army. The Sally Hands are pretty good. But we're not in straight jackets here. We're not in uniform outwardly. Okay? Uh, It's it's not uniformity. It's uh, it's a uniformity. It's not just an outside pretense. It's an inward change, you see. And I believe here uh, this morning, you can outwardly reform a person. It doesn't mean to say that they're inwardly united. And that's the problem in our churches. It's the problem in the tasks that Christians worldwide undertake. We work with worldwide missions. And you see the disunity. It comes from that brokenness inside. Because we always want to be the leading people in the situation. Can we take a humble spot and just build our peace for the glory of God? Amen. That's what we need to do. I want you to pray about this. There's a 40 foot container filled with 1,200,000 meals. He can't come to South Africa again. On our best We just need to pay for it to come. You got some money? You got some faith? You got to believe God with me? Amen? You will see God do it. He's done it once before. We want to trust Him in this day. Our unity must be a, a, a togetherness that says we witness to the great God who will provide what we've just asked. Amen. Yes. Well, come with me as we, as we, as we close it this morning. God's witness, witnesses are different people from different walks of life. As you see here, the priests, the Tekoites, and you come to a man by the name of Mal- Malhijah. He built his piece of the wall. And what did he do? He saw another piece there that wasn't quite finished. He climbed in and he just built that piece of the wall. Those are the kind of people you find in this passage. Those who don't only do their own little tasks, but help others do theirs as well. And we need those people in the body of Christ who will assist others in their time of need. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You are the living stone in that building to be a witness to the glory of God it's clear that some people will not work but it's also clear that most people will work and that's 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 wonderful but there are very very few people who will do just a little bit more without being asked to do so now this man has an interesting he has an interesting name and uh, he has an interesting life. Then the Bible says here clearly that um, he is she okay? All right. The Bible says here clearly that uh, this man he, he, his work was done earnestly, it meant carefully. But the Bible says here, He did it enthusiastically in such a way this Hebrew word means his whole life glowed. It glowed with what he did. You get those kind of people, don't you? They don't work with a donkey face expression. No, they work with a joyful expression. No matter how hard or tough or how unrewarding it seems, they have an enthusiastic glow. You know why? Because God is getting his glory. It's not about and I want to encourage you in this. It will encourage your life knowing when you get back to the position, when you say, it's too much for me. I can't take anymore. Listen, it's not for you. It's not anymore. It's all for the glory of God. Amen. Push on. Amen? Push on in this work as we look at it. That your witness may be established before other people. There's a lady who used to come to this church married to a Muslim man. And for 32 years was a witness to his life, passed away the other day. She came to me on Friday and she said, "I just want to tell you, my whole life had been a witness to my husband. She never saw any outward change. She never any, heard any confession to Jesus. That's one thing she knew. He said to her in his closing words, that he loved her and loved being with her, and loved everything about what she did. He brought her to church. She was just a witness. God knows the beginning and the end of that thing. Amen. And I believe this morning, lovingly here, as we close, we look at this application. The Bible says, First Corinthians 15 verse 58, "Be steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain." Are you weary? I think I asked too much. Your labor. Is not in keep praying, keep trusting, keep working at it. Nehemiah sees the runes that are around him. We're in a terrible position, he says. But listen to the words of the people let us build the wall. Amen. There's a little t shirt that goes around, it says got a big tick on it. Let's do it. What does it say? What does it say? Let's do it. What does it say? Just do it. Just do. It. What does it say? Yeah, just do it. That's what you've got to do. Don't stand back and pray about it. Just do it. That to me is important. And you see, the hand of God is the favour of God upon each and every one of us. William Carey. I went over to India some years ago and uh, read the life of William Carey. A British missionary who went there all his life. And Carey was a botanist. He, he did fantastic things over there. Big botanical garden in his name. William Carey translated uh, the Bible into five different languages in in, in India. William Carey led thousands of people to Christ, and established the church in India. Never ever came home. You see, when I look at William Carey, all that that I saw there, and I went to his church been dead 200 years but that church is a living stone to the glory of God amen and when I looked at that witness I said to myself this is so powerful it still speaks even though he is dead and my brothers and sisters William Carey is a word upon every tourist's lips every guides lips In India, especially in Calcutta. They'll tell you about William Kedev. Let me close by saying as He had an eldest daughter who married a missionary by the name of David Brainerd. And Brainerd had a burden for Burma. He was a young man. He prayed and persevered and went to Burma. And went on horseback day after day after day through the streets and ministered to people in Burma. and Died of a disease. By age 29 he was dead. And people said, what a waste. But I tell you, the witness of the life of William uh, of David Brainard was embedded into the lives of the people that witnessed him and the faith he had in his God. His witness was powerful that the people of Burma began to turn to the living God of these dead. We need a witness. The witness is not about you and me so much it's about what god does in us and god does through us his imprint that he leaves behind in life or in death it doesn't matter but the witness must always be there amen, amen. The children of israel would put those walls up it would be a witness to the glory and the praise of god we finished them this morning by saying this for god to get his glory it's time to build Amen? It's time to give the benefit to the kingdom of God. It's time to share the good news with the world out there by the way we build. Are you a worker? Or are you a spectator? Let's close our eyes together as we search the heart and mind of God.